0: What's up, Melanated family? This is your boy Harrison from MelanatedFathers.com and Melanated Fathers TV, bringing you another episode of the Melanated Combo podcast, where we basically have in-depth conversations with individuals who are passionate about what they do, whether it be an entertainer, whether it be a teacher, whether it be somebody that just works day to day, whether it be a parent, anybody that's passionate about what they do, passionate about their people, passionate about making a difference in some way or another, we love to have them on. Also on the show, we talk about a couple current news stories going on in Black society, maybe a business or something like that I think everybody needs to support. And of course, we have the great interview today set up. Uh, with a brother of mine that I've had the opportunity of hooking up with before, so before we get into the interview, get into everything we're gonna discuss, let's go over a couple news stories that we have here today. Now, first news story that I wanted to read, and keep in mind, the news stories that I picked are just pertinent to me. Um, I think all of us should be aware of what goes on in society, how you choose to pick what you which you're into, whether it's just strict politics, whether it's just black issues, whatever it is, I think you should find a way to read something just to kind of get different perspective of what's going on out here in society. Now, the first article I wanna read is entitled, I thought this was extremely, um, extremely important for all people of color to, to read, pediatricians detail how racism is hurting children's health. Now, the article, which is on Atlantic Black Star, by the way, goes on to say that not only is a pediatric group of about 67,000 pediatricians acknowledging the effect of racism on children's health, it's recommending steps doctors can take to combat it. Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics released its policy statement, racism and its impact on child and adolescent health. The doctor, the sister that was the lead of it, Dr. Maria Trent, lead author of the statement said, a combination of strategies is needed to, as she said, to begin untangling the thread of racism throughout the fabric of our society and to improve the health of all children. She was also quoted as saying, while progress has been made toward racial inequality, the impact of racism on communities of color is wide reaching, systematic and complex. Which I completely agree with. Now, the researchers cited work out of the Brookings Institute show that children in Black, Hispanic, and American Indian communities continue to face higher risk of parent of parental unemployment and to reside in families with significantly lower household net wealth relative to white children in the United States. You know, they went on to list some of the uh, some of the stats that they've uncovered. The 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 American Um, Academy of Pediatrics recommended doctors prioritize culturally competent care with the families and staff members, advocate for implicit bias training and tap community leaders to create safe playgrounds and food markets and things like that. So look, family, I thought it was extremely important to read that story just so everybody out there understands how drastic and how um, important it is to get an understanding of how racism works get an understanding of how inequality works. And as black folks, melanated people, we are well aware, a lot of us are well aware of how a lot of these things operate. You should, everybody should do their job and you know, educate yourself on how it works and figure out a way you can combat it, but also taking personal responsibility because they're speaking to the fact that basically young black kids who don't have much, Whether an unstable home environment, uh, uh, not a lot of food, not a lot of money to go around, as we know, a lot of us in our community know, that shit affects how you study. That shit affects how you socialize with other people. You see what I'm saying? So, of course, the system has played a role in doing us some things, which that continues to happen. But personal accountability, and starting by just loving Black people, starting by being being conscious of how you're starting your family, who you're starting your family with. All these are things we can handle ourselves while we become more knowledgeable about who we are and all these other things. You feel what I'm saying? So it's just showing that, you know, poverty and and inequality affects your health and I've seen this happen to older black people where it seems as if Uh, 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 dealing with racism and how this system operates can affect them, but it's showing that it can affect our children too. So everybody needs to take what goes on in our society very serious. Now, the next story I have is about a business that's being started. This is the system that I'm going to have the ability to actually interview as well. I'm pretty excited about that. Her name is Maria Watkins. She's an African-American entrepreneur. She founded the Right There Corporation. Now, the Right There Corporation is now among the first to offer a formidable technological solution for civilians who fear the threat of police misconduct and other potentially dangerous situations. Now, the Right There Corporation and its dedicated team of professionals have developed an app That will assist in reducing police misconduct the rtc uh as the initials of it is is awaiting full patent approval the rtc protect is the name of the device the app will soon be on apple it'll be on android devices it'll be on wearable devices as well um some of the highlights you guys tell me what you think about that some of the highlights would be voice touch activation gps tracking audio and video surveillance now I'm gonna ask the sister about that because I'm not sure how well that'll help in a time where, where videotaping was happening to us now and it's not being that effective. But it also will offer alerts to emergency contacts, assist you in filing complaints to the appropriate agencies, as well as access to legal a legal referral network. So I think, you know, as we are in an age sometimes where it seems like We're complaining about what's going on. Now, I'm aware that sometimes we're just reporting on what we see, and that's fine. But I think anybody who is moved to action after seeing these police killings, after seeing um, how we're treated by authority to a degree, anybody who moves to action and start doing something, that's inspiring for me, because if all of us done that, you know, some of this shit wouldn't be going on no more. So I'm excited. To see how this app will work for the system, anybody out there who wants to donate, if you want to find out when the launch date is going to be, if you want to get any more information about the app, you can go to her Instagram page, which is right there corp. Her Twitter is right there corp as well. Uh, um, the website is right there Protect.com. So if anybody's interested in that, I think it's a step in the right you know what I'm saying? It's a step in the right direction. I'm not sure if some of those things would stand up against the legal system that we face, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's good. She's putting her time and energy towards something as, um, you know, um, important as that. Now for that's the two news stories. So we'll be done for today. Now the, the, Interview that we have lined up for the day. When I first started my platform, which is Melanated Fathers of America, MelanatedFathers.com, the whole idea behind the platform was to interview fathers like myself who uh, have been through things, just to highlight the importance of our impact in our children's lives. When I first started, you know, it wasn't audio interviews; it was all written. But I had to—I um, had the pleasure of coming across this brother who I noticed had just written a book. But the brother was a professor, too. And for me, growing up in the inner city, um, seeing maybe one or two black male professors my entire time in high school and even as a smaller child, unfortunately, it was just extremely impressive to me that the brother, you know, was in the Bay Area. Um, He was a professor writing a book. He was a part of a lot of great things since we spoke. I've had the opportunity of, of watching his platform grow. Um, not only is he the author, like I said, a professor, he's a filmmaker, an entrepreneur with a multimedia company named Black Empower. The brother teaches uh, ethics studies at San Jose City College. I want everybody in the family to welcome Khalid White to the episode. How you doing, Khalid?
1: I'm doing well, Harrison. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes sir, yes sir. It's good to have you back on man and like I said, since we spoke brother, you've been able and you know, a lot of the um brothers that I've been able to speak to, that's been a part of this process that I didn't quite expect to see everybody's evolution, to still be to still be able to see it and be kind of uh, in in close proximity of what everybody doing. And I see you got the new books out. You know what I'm saying? You still got your uh multimedia thing popping and everything. So look, Before we talked about your father and we got into a lot of your beginnings, a lot of people may not be familiar with that interview. So I just wanted to quickly first get into your teaching and how, you know, as a brother, what made you or what inspired you to want to be
1: a teacher? That's a good question. Um, Well, you know, to be honest with you, man, a lot of people in my family, whether it was with little kids, Or even um, in the high schools and P.E. I got a lot of educators in my family from aunts and grandmothers and mother. My father even kind of dibble-dabbled in teaching, too. And, um, man, it just was, you know, I got a chance to to do, like, some volunteering with kids, and I really just enjoyed it. And so um, it turned from volunteering, volunteering my time, uh, in high school and college with little kids into, into saying, Hey, this is something I'd like to do full time and pursue it that way. But, um, I I knew of a professor, actually African-American male professor, who was a friend of my family. And he said, Hey, would you be interested in in, you think teaching at the community college level? And at the time I was like 25, I was barely, you know, a, a kid myself, right. Or just getting out of, you know, still a young man, very close to these um, students' ages and things of that nature. And he gave me a shot to do some part-time teaching at a community college, and, man, I was hooked. I I really stopped um, working in the K-12 system professionally. I kind of still do it voluntarily, but, um, you know, ever since tw- 2005, I was like, man, I love this community college age because um, it's the, it's a – Cool mixture of young adult, adult, and even some elders. And it gives me a, you know, a lot of challenges because a lot of the population that I want to work with, especially in higher ed, is in the community colleges in California. That's where all the black and brown students are. You know, uh,
0: okay.
1: they're not really at the Stanfords or the uh UCLAs, you know, the the way that we may think when we watch um college football or college basketball on the weekends, right? Okay. In the classrooms, they not just, they just not there. They're really in the community colleges. And then, you know, the more I've studied the community college and the more I've researched and been in depth in it, um, the California community college, which I've come to find out, has the most African American male students of any college system in the, in the United States, wow. even more so than the black colleges. Right. So, um, you know, I, I want to impact the black community and, and black culture and um, black thought and critical thought, and so the community college offers me that opportunity. In addition to, you know, Black Thought, I want to impact people. And so yep. um, it's a way for me to teach, a way for me to still make my impact, and it's really offered me a great, you know, career so far. So I, I'm, I'm a lifelong educator, man. I, as I mentioned, I started volunteering, then I started working in the K-12, through 12, you know, um, elementary and high school system um, first and got my feet wet, but then when I, you know, got a taste of that community college, um, opportunity, and again, this was an 05, man, it just, it hooked me, and uh, it's been on ever since, so, okay. you know, yeah, long, long, um, long history of educators in the family, long history of entrepreneurs in the family, and I'm just doing a little bit of a mixture of both, you know?
0: Good, good. Now, so two two things come to mind when you say that to me, so that just shows me how important of, is it for us to have, like, models of possibility in our family? Absolutely. When you see people in your family doing certain things, it it, it doesn't seem out of reach anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, because you mentioned the educators in your family. You mentioned the other professor that you knew, you know, so this is not a person that is just teaching you at a school, but it's a professor, you know, so I'm sure that that's even making you feel like, well, you know what, if he can do it, I'm sure I can too. So Mm -hmm. having success in our proximity, regardless of the levels of success, in our proximity can definitely be beneficial to us. Another thing I want to ask you, how do you, um, as it relates to you in like a black student, because I'm sure, you know, as we know, teachers have an impact on us, has had an impact on all of us, regardless of the race of the, of the teacher. But being that we are black, have you seen like um, just you being there for like a black student, have you seen them respond to you differently or, um, you know, how do you how, how do you think that dynamic has helped you or what have you seen with that?
1: Mm. Well, that dynamic has. Um, has been there since since I got in the classroom, for sure, mm-hmm. you know, teaching black students and being black myself, we share a connection just in terms of experiences for a lot of, you know, in a lot of cases. Yeah. then also I get a lot of students who really turn to me and look for me for advice. And as I mentioned, when I started off like in 2005 and 2006, 2007, you know, I was still young. I was 25, 26 myself. So maybe my advice wasn't always the greatest. And maybe because there wasn't a, a huge age separation, you know, it was kind of easy to get um, caught up in, in, I guess, being friends, so to speak. Mm. Now, as I've matured in the, in the profession and developed myself and my really my self confidence and my identity as a professor and a a role model leader you know because that comes with the job whether it's in my job description or not you know these youngsters are looking up to me Mm -hmm. no no doubt about that so you know that comes with my um i understand that responsibility and so um again now kind of you know 15 years in i can understand a little bit more and my rapport and relationship with students is is just as important as teaching them building a relationship with them because for black students and black and brown students and first generation and, you know, um, students who have had a history of negative experiences, particularly in the public schools, Mm -hmm. when they come in with a lot of distrust and mistrust and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of self doubt. And so to be able to um, inspire or to be able to um, motivate these young people to uh, become and achieve what they want to become and achieve relationship building is key in that it's paramount it's paramount you know especially for these young black boys um or young black men because again it's just you know we're we're stereotypes and pigeonholed into only being an athlete or only being a class clown or a cut up a troublemaker you know and um sometimes we play into that but Mm -hmm. if i can tell you or somebody can show you man hey you're greater than that your purpose is greater than that you are more than that um you know, man, to hear to have somebody say that to you, but to also to have somebody say it and mean it and be able to show you like this is how I see you uh developing and this is where you could be, I think there's nothing more powerful than that. So that's why um it, it, having black men in the in the um classroom is so impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, because it 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 gives that it gives that impression, it gives that that um that image that hey, it provides an imagery that hey, you know what? Um we really can do a number of different things and we can be in positions of leadership. And, you know, it's not just on the football field or on the basketball court, we can do definitely. it in all aspects. You know?
0: Definitely. Definitely. Now something else I just thought of here. If, <laughs> so, um, what's your thoughts on the junior college route, to a university, do you do you see a difference either or per uh, you know opposed to a kid? Because I've heard you know I've seen some reports where kids say you know I'm gonna go to a junior college, save some money up, and just transfer to the four year college. Or do you think just going if you're gonna go, just go for all four years? What's your What's your thoughts on
1: that? My thoughts, since being you know a, a, an academic in the community college, has changed uh, considerably. I would say for all parents, black, white, green, orange, make sure that your child, I don't care, you know, if they're a genius or I don't care if they're just struggling to get by, make sure your child is exposed to the community colleges here in California or community colleges, wherever you are in, in every, whatever state that you're in. And I say that for this reasons, the community colleges um, provide a lower stakes opportunity, particularly in terms of price for young people to get acclimated into what college life is supposed to be about and what you know what the expectations of college life is and are mm-hmm. um, the community college also offers the opportunity for students to get in a lot of cases uh, more personalized attention lower class numbers mm-hmm. um you know the teachers tend to typically know students by name and they're not a number you're not in a class of two and three hundred like i've seen in some of these universities no you're in a class of maybe 30 40, you know, in some larger cases, maybe 50, but, you know, um, it's, it's lower stakes, it's greater opportunity, and community college is not um, the 14th grade, man, this is, you know, is, is rigor, there's, there's um, preparation, there's all these different programs that are there to support you and help you transfer within your two, two and a half, three years as, as you're supposed to. I've seen a lot of people or a lot of young people go off to the four-year college and some have done well, but a lot don't. It's an adjustment period for a lot of um, young people. And it's, for a lot of us, it's the first time we've seen you where you, you know, you left the comfort of mom and dad's house mm-hmm. and who knows what that brings. Sometimes that can, that can open up a whole another can of worms, you know? So um, I'm not, I'm not saying don't go to a four-year opportunity. If you have the the opportunity, don't go to a four-year. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that each and every parent listening to Melanette Father's podcast, make sure that starting at at junior year, you show your student, you show your, your, your son or your daughter, um, your niece, your nephew, the the opportunities that lie in the community college. And normally community college is right in the community, you know, it's right in the neighborhood. So, um, you know, I just, I'm a proponent now of the community college, man. And I would, I would encourage every parent, to get a year, year and a half, two years of their students' um, college experience at the community college now.
0: Very interesting, very interesting. Because I was thinking that just looking at the layout and everything you're saying about it makes sense because it is a big leap. And Mm -hmm. I was, until you said that, I kind of had the mentality that a junior college was like 14th grade. Right. But you're saying they get the stuff they need at that level, so when they go to a four year, they'll be be, uh, prepared.
1: Yeah, more prepared. And, and statistically, it's shown that students who get the preparation at the community college, when they go to a four-year, they do better. Mm. Um, you know, I, I can't quote the exact article, but I just read something last week or two that shows, man, you know, you prepare at the community college and you, you do better in terms of transfer to your four-year institution. And just like you mentioned I thought community college was the 14th grade, you know, I went, I was fortunate to be able to go to a four year university straight out of high school. And I, you know, I, I turned my nose up at the community college. Yeah. Like, nah, absolutely not. I'm smarter than that. I'm better than that. You know, all these different things, because the community college had a a stigma at that, at that point in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the stigma was that, you know, it's just a continuation of of high school and now being in it, I know that, is not the case, you know, being in it on the professor side and on the, uh, the academic side, I know that's not the case. And the reputation, especially in the California community colleges, of academic preparation and social emotional preparation uh, for these students is continuing to improve and increase. So, yeah, I'm a big um, supporter of the community college. And I, I actually went back to community college myself and, and earned a certificate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. So I'm not just saying it to say it. I'm saying it because I work in there, but I'm also saying it because I I took some classes and went, you know, when went back myself mm-hmm. to community college. So yeah, okay. from experience,
0: all right. good. Good. it's good. It's good to hear a professor say that. You know, what I'm saying. <laughs> I hope everybody out there is listening. Yes, sir. It's perspective. You know, what I'm saying, and and really, really utilizing all the options that you may have. Because I think some parents too clearly may. Feel the pressure of sending their kid to a four-year college and may not even be financially prepared, mm-hmm. but feel the pressure from society, from mm-hmm. just themselves wanting their kid to succeed. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so it's a good. that's something good that parents need to hear, I think.
1: And, and let me just also mention this, too. So we're talking about money and societal pressure. Now, the, the cost of everything college-related is going through the roof. And um, we know that, you know, there's, there's really no stopping it. Everything from textbooks to bus passes to parking passes to, you know, um, lack of housing when you get there, you know, that type of thing. So um, the, that's why I mentioned that community college offers a low stakes, um, a lower stakes um, opportunity because, you know, normally you, you're talking about paying anywhere between 40 to $50 max a unit, as opposed to at the universities, you may be talking about 2500 a unit. You know, so in some cases, you know, if you save up, you may be able to pay community college out of pocket um, Mm -hmm. without having to take out loans and things of that nature. And now at the community college level, if you are a high school graduate from I think if you spend two years in a California high school and graduated, you can go get your first two years of community college for free in California under this California promise. Mm. so again, it just behooves parents. I don't care if you're well off or if you're struggling, man. Here is an opportunity for your young uh young woman young man to be able to um you know get a higher education or get the opportunity for higher education um at a much reduced cost sometimes you know quote unquote free and Give them a shot, you know, without putting them or yourselves in debt mm mm-hmm. high-interest student loans. So, anyway, that's man. Cool. That's
0: yeah. what's up, though. That, uh, that's what's yeah. up, though, man. Many people out there need to hear that, especially, you know, in our community, bro. I think after high school, a child, a young person has to do something. Yes. You, you have to do something. You want to do a trade school. You want to go to the military. I mean, whatever the options may be, but I think sometimes we're thinking, four-year college or no college at all, or mm-hmm. four-year college, if I have to go to the, the junior college, based on the stigma we was talking about, I'm not going to take it as serious. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yep, yep. All right. So what I want to get into now, like I said before, the introduction I had to you, bro, was with your book, Black Fatherhood, Trials and Tribulations, Testimony and Triumph, as well as the documentary. I had the pleasure of, seeing the documentary twice, once Mm -hmm. in the Bay Area, once when you had it here in Sac, both times was just completely awesome. Great book, great documentary. Talk to me about that journey of writing the book. Like, did you have the expectations that it was going to do as well as it did?
1: (laughs) No, I did not. I can say 100%. No, I had, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I mean, obviously I wanted to, I, I wrote it not to really get critical acclaim or to you know to win any type of you know accolades i really just wanted it for community impact because um you know i i was just tired of seeing african-american fathers black fathers uh, fathers of african descent melanated fathers whatever tag you want to put i was tired of us being drugged through the mud through the media and then um you know i just knew too many black men myself included who really Took pride in being dads and being fathers and being hands on with their kids. Even those who were like, you know, in estranged relationships from the mother, or even those who may have been um, out of state or out of the area, but they still, you know, as best they could, um, took time out to be a father to their son or to their daughter. And so um, I just knew too many examples, man. I, you know, I, I really don't know too many deadbeats who are just making that choice to be a deadbeat. Not saying that they're not out there. I'm not suggesting that. Mm-hmm. Not saying that these millions of men who have been taken away from prisons and incarceration or through death, you know, mm-hmm. that has an impact on the communities. I'm not saying that or suggesting at all. What I'm saying is that I know a number who have made the conscious effort and decision to be as active as they could be. And that's not just only people with college degrees. That's people with no degree, no a uh, GED, people with an eighth grade, you know, um, you know, I only went to the eighth grade all the way up through the PhDs. You know what I mean? I just knew too many brothers that would just, hey, this is a, you know, this is what I do, this is this is who I am, this is a facet of, you know, of my life. So with that in mind, man, um watching that whole thing in Ferguson, Missouri with Michael Brown unfold and how they um, depicted the, the community out there and how they really, in my opinion, blamed Michael Brown's father and his stepfather for inciting the riots and not being there for Michael Brown and, you know, all the different stereotypes, how they just spun that narrative and, and victim blamed Ferguson and the Brown family for Michael Brown's killing. I just said, man, you know what? That's the last straw for me. From that point on, I set out to tell the story of African-American fathers um, in the way that I could, you know, so, um, it was a journey. It was about a year overall, a year and some change to do the film. The movie <laughs> was a whole, whole nother ball of can of worms. You know what I mean? It, it, but that took about, you know, another, another year on top of the first year, but man, you know, just to see what, where it's been and see what it's done and to see the reaction that is received, um, nationwide and even internationally, I'm very pleased. There's nothing but God moving as far as that's concerned, because this, you know, it's just exceeding my wildest dreams. Um, You know, we haven't necessarily, I haven't necessarily made the New York Times bestseller list like Michelle Obama or somebody like that. But, you know, for just the first time out, man, trying it, make an impact, bro. You make an I'm impact. Making, thank support. you. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't trying to get, like I said, I wasn't doing it for commercial success. I was just doing it for community impact and it has impacted the community and is continuing to. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful and very grateful to the people that let me interview them and, um, you know, let me put, put um, their them and their kids in the book and in the film and that type of thing. Because, you know, that's, that's a touchy subject for some. I'm grateful to all of them because without them, it just wouldn't have happened either. So,
0: Definitely, definitely. And I just want to say on top of that, you know, um, being lucky, me being lucky to experience the actual doc the documentary in the environment. That's something I'm learning, brother. When I when I go to a book sign in or a documentary or, or, or anything where the energy is right, mm-hmm. man, it feels the best. It feels like that's where all black people should be. I'm watching fathers there with their kids. I'm watching older women there with their kids. You see what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. feels like in all of those moments, it always feel like we're coming together for a good cause. And I look around the room like, man, I wish all of us was here. I wish everybody could be able to experience this. You know
1: what I'm saying? Yes, indeed. So and I had a real good time. Thank you, and I appreciate you coming out of the time that you have, man. You know, um, you know, I don't take you or anybody else's time for granted. So I appreciate you showing up and supporting, and um, you know, and, and just appreciate. Also, you talked about, you know, seeing my kind of my platform grow. I've seen yours grow leaps and bounds. And so, you know, I appreciate you for what you're doing as well.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. Now, what I want to get into next, um, one of the main reasons that I reached out to you, I see that you have the two children's books. Now, first, I seen the first book, which is Little Brother. Yeah. And now I see you have Hermanito is the second book, which is I thought was pretty awesome. It's being written in Spanish and English. Yes, sir. Um, talk to me about what even gave you the idea because, of, because I'll add on top of that, reading at a young age for black children, I think it should be a requirement. Mm. All parents should make their children read, not at school, they're gonna have to read at school. They may even have to read some things they don't like at school, I get that. Make your child find a book on a topic that they enjoy and and make them read it. That's so much for your vocabulary. That's so much for your imagination. Like it should be a requirement to me. So talk to me about what what motivated you to write the children's books, brother.
1: Well, what motivated me to write the children's books, initially, I was watching my daughter and my niece play and giggling and running around the house and picking each other up and, you know, and and playing hide and seek and, and I was like, man, this would be great for, you know, somebody to capture, pictures just didn't do it. So I was like, this would be great for somebody to capture and kind of put into words, right? Just seeing the joy that these two little girls were just having around the house. And then, you know, as an educator, man, and I deal with, you know, everybody probably from 18 to, I think the oldest student I've had is probably 68, 70 years old, right? So it always kind of bothers me. and and I'm trying to choose these words carefully, it bothers me when I get students who are 18, 21, 23, and really have trouble reading and writing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And expressing themselves, I guess, written, and being able to read and read out loud. Not to say that I'm the the perfect reader or writer myself, but, you know, I have to grade so many different people on their Mm. um, written expression. And written expression comes as a facet of you being able to understand and read vocabulary and you know all that's connected right so anyway i'm thinking okay if you're 18 years old and you have a um seventh grade reading level you know that's a shame but that's a um that is a a factor of what happened maybe when you were five six seven and eight so the more that i started kind of you know I guess dialing back the numbers and dialing back to grade school we see the issues that our young men are sometimes having in grade school with being expelled and kicked out at a higher number than other students um, uh, you know about ethnicity I started saying man look before they get 18 let's uh, let's start addressing them at 8 before they get 19 let's address them at 9 the more I started reading about this this term this idea well it's not it's more than an idea it's it's a it's a like a factual thing called the um, school to prison pipeline Definitely. where it says in the state of California and, and I guess across all states, if you are not reading at grade level proficiency by third, fourth grade, you're tracked into going to jail and prison. Mm-hmm. So if we want to end this school to prison pipeline, it doesn't start when a person's 18 years old and eligible to go to county jail or, or state pen. This starts at eight nine when they're in the second, third, fourth grade um, reading, you know, reading cat in the hat and, and cap and underpants and things of that nature so that's the first thing i was like man i want to help in this school to prison pipeline in my own special way or in, a, in the ways that i can i can't shut down this, the the prisons i don't have that type of power but i can help people avoid prison um down the line by giving them some books that um are culturally relevant provide some cultural imagery um you know provide black and brown characters and are you know from the culture for the culture, you know what I mean? And definitely, definitely. I think that you know that's that's the way that I saw myself helping to um, you know address and attack this school to prison pipeline, dismantle it, disrupt it.
0: Definitely, definitely. And you know I think anytime we can see or anytime we can um, create uh, uh, things for children that look like them. Like whether it's baby dolls or, you know, a book with the black characters, you know, hopefully a lot of black parents will see that and they'll be a little more inclined to get the book for them. Hopefully the young kids of color will see that and be more inclined to read, too, because, you know, it's definitely a necessity, bro. And I was going to bring up that point Mm -hmm. that they connect illiteracy with how many brothers are in prison. And I think that's true because I think there's a there's a frustration that comes from not being
1: able to communicate. You know what I'm saying, absolutely, absolutely, so you find other ways to communicate, whether that's exactly. through violence or through sex or through being a goof off class clown type of person yep. um, and i and again, I hate to stereotype you know anybody because um just because a person can't read doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna be violent you know i don't want I don't want anybody to make that argument and that connection that I'm saying that but when you have a deficiency a lot of times you tease for it or picked on for it or even you feel a certain way about it so you overcompensate in other areas so a person you know i had a student who was a great running back i mean you know probably was nfl caliber uh, to be honest which broke a, a couple different records at the college that i work at but the young man honestly i just don't think he could read and write and mm-hmm. so that type of scenario and being and seeing that and, and seeing that kind of in multiple times, man, that, that kills me. You know, that, that hurts my heart to, to see that happen, see that happen to these young men. Great at sports or great at, you know, something else kind of um, secondary to being able to critically think and read and write, you know? And so um, I'm not sure what happened to the young man. I don't know if he, he went off to a four year university or not, but um, it killed me when, you know, I just saw the saw the the academic side, and um, I could see he how he kind of seemed like he was overcompensating on the football field and in the waiting room and that type of thing, and just wasn't doing it in the classroom. Definitely. Hurts me.
0: Hurts me. Well, I that's well, I definitely see you doing your part, brother. Um, now,
1: are both books out already? Little brother is out. Um, the book, you know, with the African American uh, male lead character and characters. And Hermanito, the bilingual Spanish English book, will be dropping in the next day or two.
0: Got it. Got yep. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll make I'll make sure to go on my social media and um, you know, advertise those books for you, brother. That's definitely a great thing. I appreciate it. And our kids need it. You know what I'm saying? So I also want to talk to you about because I think um being a professor and working in that space as you've been articulating you're helping our community by doing that mm-hmm. being a brother in that space that's positive that's informative that's really doing um your best to help those kids that's to me that's being of service now mm-hmm. what what prompted you to start uh black empower where you do the clothing line you know and you have everything else going there What what prompted you to go from just being a professor to starting your own entity as well
1: well um I guess that's a good question man again I, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs man you know small time and big time mm-hmm. um, and so I think it was always in my blood I, you know this is like my second or third business venture that I've tried you know, i have had some that were successful some that I had to sell some that didn't work out and this one I was like man let me just try to get into this multimedia world and I say multimedia because I had a vision of doing books and film, but in order to finance the books and films, I started off with doing T-shirts and clothes and merchandise in order to get the capital to invest back in books, and then get the capital to invest back into making film. Got it. So that's why I get you know the the multimedia um, angle from because media affects us all; it affects the way that we think, and. You know, uh, mainstream media is always going to depict the poor, women, black people, um, immigrants, et cetera, in certain ways. We can't, you know, we, we can't control the way that mainstream media portrays us, particularly black people. Uh, we always play in a certain role, whether it is a, you know, well, we won't get into all the roles, but we, we know that, you know, it's not always positive roles that mainstream media has us play. and. Um, If we can control our own images and control our own media, we can be a much more powerful entity as a group. And so I wanted to create, you know, books, film, fashion that had a positive, um, spin, had a empowering spin, had an inspiring spin to it. I was just tired of, again, just tired of, you know, the same stereotypes. and really tired of spending all this money on, um, Clothing brands and, and brands that I just didn't see have any type of cultural connection or impact or, or you know, um, you know, just we were just consuming, consuming just for the sake of consuming. Definitely. So, yeah, no.
0: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know. And I think. You know, just looking at the clothing line and everything you starting with that is a great thing, man. I recommend all black folks, you know, with whatever a lot of us are forced into or choose a nine to five, however you get into your current working. If you're working for somebody else, that's cool. But anytime you can branch off and attempt to do something that's going to empower everybody. I think that's why I love all the moves you're making, brother, because it's going to help us all. Sometimes as black men, black folks, we get into a habit of, you know, once we become successful, once we reach a certain plateau, it's kind of just about us. Now, of course, that's not everybody. I'm not putting that as a blanket, uh, blanket, a blanket statement, but in general, I think more of us need to be more on a group think type of tip. So, you know, I'm about to start this business or I'm about to make this move. How can this possibly empower all black folks? You know what I'm saying?
1: No, I agree a hundred percent. And, um, and I appreciate you saying that because I tried to do that. Not only we, you know, talking about providing positive imagery, but you know, 99.9% of the vendors that I use are black companies or Latino companies, small businesses. I don't, I try not to go the corporate route. So, with, um, with these books, I went and made sure I got a black illustrator for these black images. I made sure I got a Latino image, uh, Latina illustrator for these Latino images. Like I wanted it to be, you know, authentic again and put the money back in smaller businesses, you know, um, black owned businesses or brown owned businesses in this case, um, to make sure that the money circulates back to whom, you know, it, it should get to. And, um, yeah, black publishing company, all that different type of stuff. And I just, you know, I have to be very intentional with my dollars. They have to go back to places that I feel are are worthy of my time and me spending my money. I spent so much money on Nike. Mm-hmm. I gave too much money to, you know, to, to polo and that type of thing. And not to say that I, I won't buy any more Nikes, but, you know, at the same time, I got to also make sure that I'm putting my money back in the community and back at the you know, the African marketplace or back in oh. um, different, you know, different areas and venues that I know um, it's going to help somebody fuel their dreams. Cause I love when people support me financially. Cause you, you're, you're really fueling my dreams, you know? yeah.
0: Yep. So and yep.
1: you know, I'm trying to make it circulate the same way the Chinese do, the same way exactly. the Jewish do, the same way that our Latino uh, families do, the same way that, you know, um, our, our Middle Easterners do,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, and I think, you know, us seeing value in spending money with one another can bring us a long way, man. I think, you know, because sometimes when we talk about products we want to buy, um, everything we need to buy, you can't find from a black person per se. Sure. Sometimes you may not be in a position to go get your food or go get some type of resource mm-hmm. from a black business. But you can look first. You can say, OK, I'm about to buy this thing. Does a black person sell it? For sure. Um, And of course, it's not just about supporting the black business, but it needs to be competent, too, and it needs to be Uh, equal or better than the other people out there selling the same product. We don't need to, because sometimes I see, you know, we'll have a business and we think it should be supported solely because we're black, but you know, quality has to be infused into your product as well. So Mm -hmm. it can be competitive with everybody that sells whatever you're selling. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I appreciate what you're doing, bro. Now, one other question I want to ask, and I didn't see this until today. Talk to me about, um, I think it's a pamphlet or some type of, a a document that you published um, regarding teaching men of color in community college. What, what is that about?
1: It's a, it's a guidebook for teachers, counselors, administrators that want to be more um, uh, impactful with their men of color at the community college level. But it really, you know, has some good advice and pointers for teachers of, you know, students of color at all levels K through through 20. And it's, um, an opportunity that I had with two renowned brothers out there, uh, professors out in uh, San Diego, Dr. J. Luke Wood and Dr. uh, Frank Harris. I mean, these two two guys are internationally recognized, you know, as, as, as academic and, and scholar practitioners at the community college level and researchers, man. I mean, some great guys. Anyway, um, it was a collaborative effort between, you know, us three on, um, what are some practical steps that people can take to be more effective with their men, their male students at the community college level and, and other levels. So, um, yeah, that book actually, it came out, I think maybe 2015, if I'm not mistaken, but it's been doing very well and, um, helping a lot of different colleges across the nation be mm-hmm. more, um, you know, just be, just be more aware and be more impactful, uh, with the, the men of color on their campuses. And so, um, yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's done well.
0: Yeah, and, and I thought well. that was really important because um, I think in I don't know if someone has done it already, but I think versions of this need to be instituted for younger kids too because Definitely. you know growing up and in, in having teachers that are primarily white, sometimes them not being raised in our communities, they're not familiar with our temperament. They're not familiar with um, how we are to a degree. So I think that creates a bridge of, of, um, how they can treat us and how they can, and how we learn, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. read, I'm like, man, this was a extremely good idea. And I hope teachers of all colors was like open, receive that book with an open mind. Um, so they can learn
1: something. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. It's like, you know, most of the, most teachers in America are not black or not of color. Um, so you you kind of have a cultural disconnect mm-hmm. with students that look a certain way and then you look a different way right mm-hmm. there's uh, stereotypes and there's prejudices that go kind of both ways like you know oh this white dude don't understand me or on the flip side of that this black kid i don't understand him and but i'm in power as the teacher so you know it's going to be my way or the highway so you end up having a whole lot of clashes uh, you know with with um public school and public education mm-hmm. and um Yes, teachers need professional development, and they, and teachers, counselors, administrators, we need to update our teaching methods just the same way as we update our iPhones and, and Droid phones, you know. And yeah. the same way that you get you a, a, you know, a computer every so often, you need to add to your professional development every so often. As a matter of fact, regularly, because... Cultures changed, and the culture the student culture has changed today. If you're not doing things online or have some element of um, online, um, you know, like, I don't know, some type of online component, whether it's uh, Google Docs or whether it, you show a, a film clip or man, then you're missing the boat. You can't do the same things that you may have done in 89 in 2019. So you have to continue to update your professional development, your professional growth. And that's what this book is. It's just a tool for professional development and growth for um academics who are serious about reaching men of color in their classrooms.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's some good information, bro. And you know, and like I said, I just seen that today, uh-huh. but I was like, "Man, that was an extremely good idea." And I seen you had some other educated brothers on there with you.
1: Yeah. Some that's bad dudes. That's a
0: good thing. Definitely, definitely, man. So look, clear I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man, and having this conversation with me. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy that we did it. You got a lot of, a lot of knowledge. I want people in our community to look at teachers and educators the same way they look at athletes and entertainers. You know know what I'm saying? It's, it's, the the impact is much greater, even. So I appreciate you speaking with me uh, today, man, on the Melanated Combo podcast. And I want you to tell everybody, give them your social media links, any way to get 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 in contact with you.
1: Okay, I appreciate it. Um, my social media is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Black Empower, and that's spelled B L K M P W. That's B-L-K-M-P-W-R. Again, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And then my website is www.blkmpwr.com, Blackempower.com. And you all can hit me on blackandpower at Gmail, blkmpwr at gmail.com as well. And um, yeah, I just look forward to, you know, continuing to connect with you, Harrison, and continuing to connect with the community. And thanks for having me.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Now your, your books are on the website too, right?
1: Yep. You can get the books, you can browse through the, you know, the merchandise. Um, You know, you get, we got digital downloads for the books and for the film and all different type of stuff on there. So um, take a look.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. So I want to thank everybody for tuning into another episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. I hope you guys learned something from the brother. Please go out um, and support his books all the families out there with students who are about to go to college, think about the junior college piece that we spoke about. That's important as well. You know, uh, to catch the podcast, you can go to MelanatedFathers.com. You can go to TV on YouTube. The podcast is on Spotify also. Um, the podcast is on Anchor FM. Also, that's another app on your phone where the podcast will be located. We're going to continue to try to bring you these in-depth conversations, man, so we can get to the bottom of a lot of the issues that we face as a community. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I'm out.